0: We're in parts 23 of how many? 24. So we're coming near to the end of the book of Acts. Feels like we've been in this book for a while, right? And uh, so here we are, part 23. But we're seeing that everywhere we turn in the book of Acts, we, we see these heroes of the faith that are portrayed there. Because the book of Acts portrays the acts of the Holy Spirit in the lives of God's people. And as we're going chapter through chapter, we're, we're taking those individuals that arose, men and women just like you and me, ordinary people, that arose and were used as heroes of the faith in particular ways. And this morning uh, is the same. We are going to uh, be looking at our next hero of the faith in Acts chapter 27. And our hero of the faith this morning is the Apostle Paul. And we're going to see Paul on this Shipwreck experience on the Adriatic Sea, which I've been on that sea. Some of you may be as well or have been. It's the Mediterranean it extended out more towards Rome. But we're going to see uh, in Paul's life through this experience, a trait of heroic fate just arise. and this is a trait that that the Lord wants to see in each of our lives. And as this trait arises. In the power of the Holy Spirit through our lives, we rise to the level of becoming a hero of the faith. So let's just start off by giving us uh, the trade right. and here it is. One of the most heroic things you can do is to be God's leader in the midst of a storm. So I'd like you to turn to someone at your table and just say, God wants you to be His leader. Just say that to someone. God wants you to be his leader. And the context here is actually within a storm. So let's, we're going to begin reading this uh, passage. We're going to read it verse by verse as we go along and teach as we go along. But let's start by noticing three facts about storms. And by the time we're done with these three facts, you'll know, okay, I'm in this or I know someone who's in this, I want to ask you right now, are you in a storm? Well, you can know you're in a storm if these three things, or even one of these three things, is true. First of all, storms are part of God's plan for our lives. Now, we may not see it as that in the moment, but later we will look back and we'll go, wow, this was your plan, God. Now, in chapter 27, Acts 27, verse 1, Luke is writing, and he says, when it was decided... That we would sail for Italy. Now, who made the decisions or the decision that we, and Luke is including him with Paul because Luke wrote the book and Luke actually journeyed with Paul to Rome, as we'll see in a second. Now, certainly, King Agrippa as well as uh, Festus the governor made that decision. We studied that last Sunday. Paul's on trial. Paul appealed to the emperor that. He could go to Rome and give testimony there. And so Agrippa and Felix Festus, they helped part of that decision. But ultimately, it was God who arranged for Paul to watch us get to Rome, but to get there, he would have to face a storm. God has plans for your life, for you to get someplace, but you know that the route there often includes a storm. You need that storm to get you prepared for what God has in mind for you. In Acts chapter 23, verse 11, it says, The Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so must you also testify in Rome. Paul, I'm going to bring you to Rome. And the route there was, Paul didn't realize it at the moment, but would be a storm. So let's read about that, verses 1 through 8 when it was decided that we would sail for Italy. Now here's the picture, just of the map. So he's in Caesarea there. He was there two two years, in jail at least, Paul. They were going to sail all all the way here to Rome. But the route would be kind of a securitus route that they didn't necessarily expect, and it includes the shipwreck. So we're reading on here. So Paul and the others... Uh, prisoners. We don't know how many there were, but this is a common thing for prisoners to be taken from some place in the Roman Empire to the capital. And other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius. Now, Julius, a centurion, that's an officer in the uh, military of Rome. A centurion would oversee a hundred soldiers, and he belonged to the imperial regiment. Roman Empire military. Verse two, we boarded a ship at Adramanitim, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Now, he mentions someone else. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica was with us. So Paul, uh, you've got this Aristarchus, and Luke are sailing from uh, Caesarea, and they're gonna make their way along the coast here for this first part of the journey. Verse three, the next day we landed at Sidon, which was in Syria, and Julius in kindness to Paul allowed him to go to his friends that they might provide for his needs. There was trust. Paul wanted to get to Rome. He wasn't ready to flee. And uh, so even, it's interesting, this uh, centurion, if Paul escaped, it would cost him his lives and the soldiers who were guarding Paul, but he gave him freedom. Something about Paul that this centurion trusted. Verse 4 From there we put out to sea again and passed the Lee of Cyprus. The Lee means the safe side of Cyprus, where it's less windy, where you wouldn't incur the wrath of a wind, a storm. And uh, the winds were against us. Verse 5 When we sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra at Lycia. So right over here, this is. Uh, in that location. There, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. So they had to, uh, you know, transfer. One ship would take you across, you know, along here where Turkey is and bring you to this area. But then they had to find another ship here that would go all the way, ultimately, to Rome, to Italy. We made, heads, uh, we made slow headway, verse 7 and for many days, and had difficulty arriving at Sindus, when the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete. So they make their way over here toward Crete, the island of Crete, opposite opposite Siloam. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Haven. So they ultimately land in Fair Havens. Okay, so the storm is kind of, you know, A little bit intense, but not too bad. God has his plan for Paul to get to Rome. Storms, they're part of God's plan for our lives. Hmm. Second observation about storms storms sometimes happen to us and others in spite of our warnings. Now, notice verse 9, and I'll explain what I mean by this. Much time had been lost. And sailing had already become dangerous because by now, it was after the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was near the end of September or early October, depending on the year. This was the most dangerous time of the entire year to sail on the Mediterranean. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and the cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, now the harbor, you know, over here, back to the map again. Uh, the map again. Here, here we go. They're at and so They're like, ah, that's not, you know, a good place. The accommodations, it wasn't, an, no five-star hotels there. They're like, we need to go, you know, over here to where Phoenix is because that's gonna be you know, much nicer. And so they decided that we would sail for Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. Verse 13, when a gentle, gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they waited anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, though, wind of hurricane force, hurricane force, called the Northeaster, swept down from the island, the ship was caught in the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. So they are literally just being driven along over in this area uh, and, and just at the mercy of the elements. And here Paul had warned them. Storms sometimes happen to us and others, and we find ourselves in the midst of the storm even though we warned them not to move in that direction. Paul got vetoed. He was unheeded. He got rejected, even though his intention was to spare them trouble. There's times in our lives as parents, we warn our kids, but the warning goes unheeded, and then the entire family finds itself drugged into a storm. The same thing can happen in a marriage. A husband or wife will make a warning or give their opinion. It goes unheeded, and things get worse. It can happen in business. I don't think we should do this. It's not a good idea to merge. And the, the merger happens, and everything is going bad. As adults, we can warn a friend about something. That thing goes unheeded, and the whole situation goes from bad to worse. Storms sometimes happen to us and others in spite of our warnings. Right now, we are facing a storm in the United States called coronavirus. And this virus is global. It is happening in great measure in areas of the world that we're not quite hearing about but I'm hearing about because of our partners all over the world in certain areas that are reporting what the media is not reporting I just read this morning that the Diamond Princess you know cruise ship that was uh, there in japan uh President Trump against his warning fourteen of those passengers that were infected, they were allowed to fly back to the United States and so this storm is becoming more complicated when warnings are going unheeded or unrecognized, and so This is life, this happens all the time. We're speaking into things and things seem to get out of control. And maybe that's in your life. You've been speaking up about something and things just to get, it's getting more intense. That's how you know you're in a storm. But God is sovereign, even over this coronavirus. He's sovereign, he has a plan. It might get difficult, but even in your life, whatever you're facing, Maybe you've been giving a warning, but it's still it's it's getting difficult. You know you're in a storm when this is the case. Third thing about storms, they're characterized by hopelessness. Verses 16 and following, as we passed to the lee of a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. The lifeboats would be you know on the side of the ship, strapped there. So the men hoisted it aboard. When they passed, Then they passed ropes under the ship to hold it together. Imagine seeing that on the ship you are on. Because they were afraid, they would run aground on the sandbar of Syrtis, They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship just be driven along. They're at the mercy of this storm. Luke says, verse 18, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Imagine that. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Have you ever been in a situation where you gave up all hope of being saved? Wow. That's when you know you're in a storm. The, the only time in my life I had that experience was when and I've shared this story with you before. Uh, a friend of mine and I, uh, we actually floated down the Col Canyon Spillway in an inner tube uh, in a major storm for the fun of it. And we were literally sucked into the vortex of this natural water way. And I remember it just sucked us in right where the water hit the river. And I remember like a rag doll just being stuck and in this churning mess, it stripped us off uh, the inner tube. And I remember just absolutely hopeless saying, I'm going to die. And yet God gave me an incredible peace in that moment. I, I don't know even know how to, it's like time just literally stopped and uh, I couldn't breathe. And then I share with you the next thing I remember, I'm you know, 30 yards down the river and I'm standing up in waist-high water, and to me, it was an absolute miracle. And my buddy pops up next to me, and we're both staring at each other <laughs> white as ghosts, and our inner tube is still in the vortex, stuck. We left with the inner tube still churning. And I'm like, we should be there, dead. All hope was lost. Now, that's a physical storm, you know, but there are, there are physical, mental uh, emotional, spiritual storms, and maybe you're in one right now. Before we move on, I want you to talk about this at your tables. Of the three facts about storms, which facts speaks most to you, you know, and why? Storms are part of God's plan for our lives. Some storms sometimes happen to us and others regardless, you know, of the warnings we give. And storms, though, they're characterized by hopelessness. Would you talk about those? one of those facts that seems to most speak to you and share why you, would, you mentioned that one? Talk about that. Okay, let me bring us all back to our hero of the fate, faith trait. Maybe we can put that up there, and let's read it out loud, if we can do that. Our hero of the faith trait, It is. Uh, it is working its way up there. Can we put it up there? Okay, well... What is it? Oh, hear it. Let's read out loud. One of the most heroic things you can do is to be God's leader in the midst of a storm. Okay. So you may find yourself in the midst of a storm right now. Maybe it's a family storm. Maybe it's a storm in your marriage. Maybe it's a financial storm. Maybe this is a storm in your health, having to do with your health or in your business. Maybe it's a storm in your personal life uh, or your spiritual life. Anytime you are willing to become God's leader by God's grace, in the midst of any storm, you become a hero of the faith. And so check out our hero of the faith, the Apostle Paul. Paul's in the midst of a literal storm, literally. I mean, he's on a ship heading for sure shipwreck, and he's hopeless. Well... There's hopelessness on every face, really, except for Paul's face. I mean, Luke even writes in verse 20, the summary of all this, we gave up all hope of being saved. Wow, we. And all of a sudden, verse 21, a hero arises. After they had gone a long time without food, here is our hero, Paul, stood up before them. Just stop there. Paul stood up. I wonder what storms God has put you around and how folks in that storm are hopeless and they're praying for someone that will arise, someone that will stand up and be a leader in that given moment. Any storm you find yourself in, any storm you become aware of, gives you the opportunity to rise up and be a heroic leader. A heroic leader is just a normal person. It's just a normal person, infused by God's power, the Holy Spirit, and someone who's willing to stand in the gap, like the Apostle Paul, and help others who are caught in hopelessness. See, God has brought you here because he wants you to be that person. His Holy Spirit lives in you, And he wants to raise you up to be a hero of the faith in this way around others. You say, well, Mark, how can I become God's heroic leader in the midst of any storm? Well, there's some principles that by God's grace you can follow that will lead you to become that leader for any storm. Three traits for being God's heroic leader in the midst of a storm. And all of these, in God's grace, you can live out. These are all modeled by the Apostle Paul. Number one heroic leaders speak up giving courage and hope because of their faith in God you see because you have faith in God you have courage and hope to give others because you have faith in God so notice the courage and the hope that Paul extends to those in the storm around him because of his faith in God now Luke's faith was wavering at that time Aristarchus's faith was wavering at that time but Paul, because of his faith in the Lord, rises up to be the hero. And look if you were to verse 21. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, heroes start by speaking. After they've observed, prayed, sought God, they speak. And this is what Paul said, men, (laughs) he kind of, Gives him a little bit. He says, man, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But notice he only spends one verse on that. You're not a hero of the faith. If you say, "Eh, you should have listened to me. You're such a, you know, he spends one verse on that. Then he says, but this is where the heroic trade of speaking, giving courage and hope comes in. But now I urge you, Keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, he stood beside me. He said, don't be afraid, Paul, you must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who are sailing with you. So keep up your courage, men. I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me wow. Anytime you and I offer courage and hope to others because of our faith in God, that is heroic. Heroic. Imagine the impact Paul's words had on all those sailors. 276 sailors or soldiers, everyone combined, were on ship. 276 people. Paul is giving them all this encouragement and hope Imagine the power, the impact your words can have in the midst of someone who's going through the storm of their life and you enter in and you give them courage. You speak into that storm. It doesn't have to be something profound. It's just saying something encouraging. It could be something that you read in the Bible a couple days ago and you just speak the word of God to people. That's so powerful. I mean, it's the Bible. It's God's Word. You have it. That's the greatest hope, the greatest encouragement, the greatest courage you can give. It's just, hey, this is what God's Word says, and you speak. Bible says, Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily as long as it's still called today. Encourage. That means bring courage to people. Acts 20.32, now I commit you to God and to the work of His grace which the word of his grace, the word of God that can build you up. It's God's word that builds people up. There's some people that are just, man, they're, they're, they're sinking. They are without hope. And, and you have the word of God. The Holy Spirit is, will give you the words to speak into that situation. A while ago, I had a gal that I used to go to high school with call me up, which I was unexpected. And she said, Mark, you remember Grandma? And I said, yeah, I do remember your Grandma. She said, well, she's in the hospital. She isn't responding. My family's here. We don't know what to do. Would you, I know it's been years since we talked, would you please come to the hospital and just be with us and help? And I said, you bet. So I showed up, went to San Leandro, Kaiser there. And I walked into this room, and I knew Grandma did not know the Lord. And I walked into this room, and the room was packed. I mean, like 20 members from their family were there, which I had, didn't know what to expect. And there, there's Grandma. I remember her, you know, 20 years prior meeting her. And uh, this family didn't know the Lord. And, and uh, when I come into those situations, I certainly pray, but... I always speak to a person as if they can hear me. If you ever have that opportunity, do so. Because the spirit, your body, soul, and spirit, your spirit is real. A person is spiritual. Their spirit can hear even though the body may not. I don't know how that all works. But uh, on so many occasions, I've seen just, as you'll hear right here, a miracle happen. So she's there, and I walk in. I'm like, wow. And I just walk right up to Grandma, and I take Grandma's hand, and I said, Grandma, Pastor Mark here. And she opens her eyes, and there's a gasp in the room. And uh, I just said, you know, Grandma, look around. Everyone loves you. I said, God loves you so much. And I said, Grandma, you know, the Bible says for God so loved the world. That's you, that he gave his one only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I said, so, Graham, would to be great to just right now trust Jesus, his love, his salvation? Would you like to pray a prayer and ask Jesus to be your Savior, Lord? She goes, yeah. So I led her in a prayer and said, you repeat this after me in your, your heart, if you would and everyone's listening, and I go, Grandma, did you pray that prayer? Yeah. Closed your eyes. We prayed. The next day, she went home to be with the Lord. You know, it, anytime you give hope and encouragement, it's just bringing the Word of God into a situation. That family, I know Grandma in heaven, that family will never forget that moment because you're bringing the simple hope of God's word into a situation. And uh, God wants to use you to be that person. Heroic leaders speak up, giving courage and hope because of their faith in God. You have a different worldview than people who are in situations that you know about. And by God's grace, with his spirit, you can speak it doesn't have to be, you know, a long thing. It can just be a little, and that will mean so much to people. Second trait for becoming God's heroic leader in the midst of a storm. Heroic leaders share honestly about the probable consequences of the storm. Now, listen to Paul's honest eight-word assessment of the situation. In verse uh, 26, now, Earlier, Paul said, the good news, guess what? All of you are going to live. All 276 of you are going to make it. Then Paul says, the bad news, however, in verse 26, you know, see, he says, nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. In other words, the bad news, guess what? We're going to shipwreck. But you're all going to live, but we are going to shipwreck. Now watch this. When you are in a storm, you want to hear the truth spoken to you in love in love. But the truth, when you're in a storm and when you're hopeless, you don't want to hear flattery. You don't want to hear lies. You want to hear, hey, you're, you're going to live, but the divorce is going to happen. You're going to make it, but you will probably lose maybe all of your savings. You're going to live, but, but rehab is going to be way more difficult than you could ever imagine. It's gonna be the hardest thing, maybe your entire life, is to get through this rehab program. Heroic leaders, they never sugarcoat the probable consequences of storms, they speak the truth in love. Anytime someone is in a storm and you speak the truth in love to others, that is being God's heroic leader in that storm for that person. Ephesians 4.25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. And that's what people in a storm want to hear. They want to hear the truth. And that's what Paul was saying in verse 26. Nevertheless, we have to run aground on some island. You're going you're gonna to make it, but we are going to shipwreck. Wow. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think of some stories along these lines. And my brother Todd, there are so many stories. <laughs> Todd has the biggest heart in the world, and he's also truthful. He's one of the best at this. And so I'm gonna tell you a couple stories. So, there was this family friend of ours that was in a terrible car accident. Terrible. Todd was very close to him, I was not as close. And I remember Todd telling me, Mark, I've got to go visit him and just bring some comfort to his life. And I said, Todd, do you want me to go with you? My bedside manner is a little bit, you know, different than Todd's. And Todd goes, no, i got to do this alone. And I go, okay, I'm praying for you that God will give you the words. So Todd went to his house and then came back. And I saw Todd after. I go, Todd, how did it go? He goes, man, Mark, he came to the door. And I looked at him, and I said this, dude, you look like crap. (laughs) I hope you have a good lawyer. And I said, you said that to him? And he goes, yeah. I go, why? He's like, bro, he looked like crap. (laughs) And he needed a good lawyer. I go, what did he do? He goes, he started laughing. And then I begin to think about it. I'm like, the last thing you want to do is, oh, dude, you look like Brad Pitt. You know Or, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if you have had your whole face reconstructed, which he had. Now, okay, maybe not the best illustration. <laughs> but I think you get what I'm getting at. And then the other one, which is kind of funny. I hope I can tell this one, Mom, was when my mom um, ended up getting breast cancer. This was... Several years ago, and of course, all of the children, as she told this to me and all the kids, said different things and responded differently. And Todd Todd said this: He shared this with mom, mom the news with Todd, honey, I have cancer and da da da. And, and Todd immediately started crying, and he's hugging my mom, and he says this to my mom, "Here today, gone tomorrow!" <laughs> Here today, Mama, and gone tomorrow. I'm like, wow. <laughs> That's the truth spoken in love, I guess. <laughs> okay. Some of you are going, I'm really glad we're coming to the book of, the end of the book of Acts, you know. <laughs> Here's the principle: heroic leaders share honestly about the probable consequences of the storm. Let me give you the third one, third trait, becoming God's heroic leader in the midst of a storm. Heroic leaders offer practical advice to get through the storm. When a person is in a storm, what they need is just practical advice. They just need wisdom, steps they can take. They're overwhelmed. To just help them make the best of their situation, to get them through the storm. And so notice these three pieces of practical advice Paul gives uh, to these folks. The first thing I see is warn against doing anything else foolish. And you see this, sometimes foolishness gets us into a storm. And so you don't want to do anything else to complicate it. And so Paul says in verse 26, nevertheless, we must run aground on some island and then notice what happens. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings and found that it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, The sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. They were trying to escape with their own lives, let everyone else die. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. This time they followed Paul's instructions. If not, I take it, they would have died. Storms can be bad, but often what a person needs to hear in the midst of their storm is some sound advice. So they will avoid making things worse. So the situation won't get worse. And I'm sure you've been in situations where maybe someone has given you some advice so that you would not complicate matters. Maybe you're going through whatever, even a divorce don't do this because it'll make things worse. And you listen to that advice. Well, we help people through storms by giving them advice that won't complicate the situation they're in. Because sometimes when you're in a situation, you're just not thinking straight. And you need an outside perspective to to, to not complicate things and do something that would make it more difficult because you're making another foolish decision. And leaders point that out for people in love. The other thing, encourage food for physical and emotional strength. I mean, this seems kind of simple and obvious, but oftentimes when we're in a storm and we feel hopeless, and I've seen this so many times. We 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 literally stop eating. We stop exercising. We let our health often go out the window, which can lead to very bad judgment and the storm just becomes worse. And, and notice Paul's advice to these 276 men that are on board the ship. He says in verse 33 and verse 34, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. He says, for the last 14 days, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. No one, not one of you will lose a single hair on his head, but you got to eat. I mean, bringing someone food or taking someone out for a meal can literally change someone's life. It can literally help them get through a storm. Sharing a simple meal with someone can literally provide someone with the physical and emotional strength they need to weather a storm to get to the other side to see light at the end of a tunnel. Some of you have been in really difficult situations. You've been out on the streets. You've been homeless. It is so difficult to get out of that predicament when you're you're lacking sleep, shelter, clothing, just the basics, and giving someone the basics, it, it, it can be just so huge in their life to get them back on track. Last thing is this, to offer prayer for spiritual strength. You look in verses 35, I love this. After he had said this, well, you know, guys, you need to eat. He took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Now, why do we pray before meals? Because Paul did and Jesus did. We see it right here. He's praying. These guys may have never heard ever anyone pray for food. And Paul's praying, I'm sure, was just not for the food, but for their safety and everything. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 260 of us on board. Wow. Prayer is one of the most powerful things we can offer someone who is hopeless in the midst of a storm, just to pray with them and to pray in faith. Never underestimate the power of prayer. It provides spiritual strength. I mean, what happened? It says they were all encouraged. Wayne kind of alluded to it. If you get our emails, I sent you the story. If you don't get our mission emails, I send one out every Saturday, you should sign up for email updates. Go to the mission center, you can do that. But one of our partners had just shared, and I won't share the name of the country for security purposes, that just a few weeks ago, uh, and you know that the countries we support, pastors and church planners, they're all persecuted. Every country, if you support a pastor, they're persecuted. Sometimes they're beat, sometimes they're stoned, Sometimes they're killed. Sometimes they have machete attacks. Their churches get burned. And and different countries have different intensity of spiritual battles and physical battles that they face. But it's different than in the United States. We are the anomaly. We are the exception. The rest of the world, it's physical, the battle. Here, it's spiritual. It's starting maybe to turn a little physical, but in other places, it's way more physical, the battle. So in this country... They became aware of a hit that was going to take place on a meeting on Thursday, a large gathering of Christians, and the radical uh, group of these people who were persecuting, burning churches coming in you know with machetes and and literally attacking Christians. just a while ago, over a hundred of your brothers and sisters were in hospitals literally. Having survived, you know, all sorts of machete attack. Imagine machetes just on women and children, and and this is what happens. So they became aware that this was happening on Thursday. The ringleader behind all this, very wealthy man, and he was pre- he was paying young radicals money to go attack Christians, literally. And so, of course, you know. They hate Christians as it is, but then to get paid to go persecute them like this, of course. So they became aware that a hit was going to happen at this area on Thursday. On Monday, all the pastors in that area got together. They're crying out to God for his protection. Crying out, praying. Is there power in prayer? Well, on Tuesday, the ringleader, the guy with all the money, gets a little sick. He goes to the hospital Walks into the hospital, drops dead, died. His best friend, second in command, hears his friend went to the hospital, and he walks to the hospital before he gets to the hospital, halfway there, drops dead, literally drops dead. All the pastors hear about this, of course, they're in shock. They're just like, what? And at the same time, they're going, wow, God, how you protect us there comes a point God enters in, enough is enough. That's the battle. These men were greatly encouraged, as probably you're encouraged. we were sad about anyone who would lose their lives. But that attack, you know, God intervening perhaps spared many, many lives from being killed on Thursday. Never underestimate the power of prayer when you pray And like I said in the email I sent out yesterday, how many other miracles are taking place because this church is praying for pastors all over the world and we're bringing encouragement to their lives because of the intervening power of God. Well, what else happens? You know, here's Paul. He's saying, you know, not a hair in your head. We're going to shipwreck. They're eating food and, you know, they're feeling a little bit better. But then, you know, what goes on to take place? Verse 38. When they had eaten, you know, as much as they wanted, wow, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When you're doing that, it's dire. It's difficult. You know this ship is going down, and they're just trying to get rid of all the weight they can so it'll stay afloat. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach. Uh, Why don't you put the map up here? And I'll show you where they were at, which they were way off course but uh, they uh, okay oh so they're over here they're gonna land on Malta and you know they should have been over here but uh, they, they anyway so they, they they saw this bay they didn't recognize it where they decided to run the ship aground if they could so cutting loose the anchors they uh, left them in, in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes and that held the rudders so they could get some sort of navigation. Uh, then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. Let's get to that beach. A lot of them couldn't swim. I mean, you know, you, you were raised and learned how to swim. Not back then as much. But the ship uh, struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken, being broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. You can just picture this. By the way, the Apostle Paul went through this. You know? Isn't that amazing? The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners. So you have soldiers and sailors. Remember, you got a centurion with all the soldiers. And they planned to kill the, the, the prisoners because any prisoner gets away, they're dead. You get immediate execution. Uh, in, in, that's just how Rome operated to prevent them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered, the centurion did, those who, were, who could swim first to jump overboard and you'll know, get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. And then I love this, in this way, everyone reached land safely, wow. 276 people, hopeless, I should say 275 people hopeless, One leader rises up in the midst of the storm. I hope that leader's name is you. I hope you're the one. Because you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You have God's word. You have hope. You have the courage to enter into any storm in life and be God's man, be God's woman. I see some young people here to be God's young person. Young person you can speak to adults because the God who is in Paul is in you. God touches Paul. Paul's willing to rise up, become a heroic leader. How do you become that? Well, you got to speak up. You speak the word of God into a situation. You give a verse of scripture. You give away what God's given you to give hope into a situation. You share honestly about what seems to be real before your very eyes and the consequences that might come about. And then you offer practical advice. Whatever you might see is practical. Warn against doing anything else foolish. Encourage food. Hey, eat, drink, and then pray. Offer prayer. That's a hero of the faith in any storm. I'd like you to talk about this at your tables of the three traits for being God's heroic leader. Which of those is maybe God most speaking to you about exercising? I mean, surely all three, but is there one that the Lord is just, you know, you could apply this in a situation maybe that you're aware of. Take a moment, talk about that at your tables. Go for it. Well, let's read our hero of the faith trait one more time. Let's read this one out loud and just think about it a little bit as we prepare to pray. Okay, here we go. One of the most heroic things you can do is to be God's leader in the midst of a storm. I don't know if, you know, we think of ourselves as heroes, but I think there's people in your lives that can think that of you, if you're willing to just be God's man or God's woman. That's called being a leader in the midst of a storm. Do you know someone in a storm right now? Are you in a storm? right now. It just takes praying and being willing to enter in and be God's voice and offer some practical advice, speak the truth in love. And what a difference. What an absolute total difference that simple, simple speaking can be to someone. I mean, I love how this all ends with Paul. They were all encouraged. 276 sailors and soldiers were all encouraged. And then I love the the last verse. In this way, everyone reached land safely. There are so many people who are desperate for encouragement and someone that will help them to get to land safely. That's what we're called to do as Christians, and God's Spirit wants to empower us and use us to be heroic in that, even this week. Is there someone in your life that God raised up that spoke courage to you and helped you to get to land safely? I want to encourage you this week to thank them, to write them a note, an email, or to call them. Or to get an appointment with them or take them out to lunch and say, thank you. You spoke courage into my life. You helped me get to land safely. And I've never really thanked you for that. Is there someone that God wants you to speak courage to and help them get to land safely? Because should you do so, one day they will thank God for you and one day thank you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, We thank you for those that you raised up to be heroes of the faith in our own lives, to speak courage into us when we were in a storm, when we felt hopeless, and ultimately we got to land safely. And Lord, I I pray that we could honor them by thanking them and thanking you for them. And Lord, I also think of so many that are maybe in storms right now that we're being made aware of because your Holy Spirit is bringing these folks to our minds that you're wanting us to be that humble yet heroic leader that would enter in to the mess, so to speak, and just be a voice of the Lord. Bring hope, bring courage, speak the truth. Pray, simple pray, and bring courage and help people get to land safely. Show us what that looks like, Lord. Thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul Thank you for how your Holy Spirit is even speaking to us now. Lord, help us to hear from you. Help us to, in faith, pray, knowing that a prayer of faith is powerful. Changes our lives, changes others. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. All God's people said?